Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors help answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. And now, here is your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com and get the latest behind-the-scenes info at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. I cut out all the other stuff that usually happens at Facebook just for the sake of being concise. Coalition with me tonight, the Danger Pixie actual, Melody Lauer. I'm so touched. Thank you. That great introduction. I don't think it was that good. I think I've done much better in the past. So. Well, I'm still touched. Whoa. Well, you stay over there then with whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah, are we still doing phrasing, Joe? So I think this would be a great, great time to insert a sound clip right here. Phrasing. Okay. Hey, guess what? What's that, John? This segment brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy, you need more ammo. And when it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition and LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, if I order a case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday, it's at my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today to check out their in-stock lineup of Federal Premium Ammunition. And remember, unless you're on fire or drowning, you can never really have too much ammo. So joining us, and I'm super excited by this, uh, is going to be Julie Gollum. So, Julie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I still had that moment of horror that I pronounced your last name close to wrong. And I'm just like, oh, please let me do this right. Eh, maybe. So This is going to be one of those things where I'm constantly like, I know she told me what it was, but in my head, it, uh, I, I go through the same thing every time I say it, too. So no worries. <laughs> well, so luckily my parents were very helpful to me, and they realized that I would be the type of person that would have difficulty with names. So they just gave me the same one twice so that I didn't mess it up. Right? Um, yes. But for for those that don't know, uh, who are you? What do you do? And um, maybe even what uh, what are you hoping to do? And and we'll sure. go from there. How long do I have? Do I have all day? You've <laughs> you've got you've got forty minutes. Uh, we can talk about whatever you would like. So uh, sure. My name is Julie Golub. I'm a professional competition shooter. I represent a number of different. Companies within the firearms industry shooting primarily action shooting sports, running and gunning with mostly handguns, but I've dabbled in a bit of shotgun and uh, modern sporting rifle shooting matches. And I am basically uh, a, just like everybody else, a busy mom uh, um, and uh, uh, an entrepreneur, and I stay very busy with all of the things that I'm doing, you know, competing around the world and representing companies. And uh all of that good stuff. Um, I like to think that, you know, what I do for a living is, is pretty crazy and strange, but it seems very normal and like day-to-day life. And Melody, I know you this, know this, you, you, you've got dishes to do, you've got <laughs> life yeah. gets in the way. I mean, so it's 
it's not as glamorous as a lot of people think it is. <laughs> How many kids do you have now? I have two. Two, have okay. Kids, two little girls, yes. So life is never dull, that's for sure. Um, yeah, and, and I think a lot of people don't uh, – it's funny because I've, I've worked in the industry for a little while now, um, and uh, I, 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 I love my job. I love every almost everything about my job, but I think a lot of people don't understand that it is it is work. Um, it is actual yeah. work, and that's that's kind of I think a lot of people lose sight of that. So, in addition to all of those things, you are actually um, running for I'm not going to say public office, but kind of. Um, kind of seems like it. <laughs> yeah, right. Talk about that. Yeah, sure. I'm running for the National Rifle Association Board of Directors. Um, I was nominated by the nominating committee last year, and uh, you know, thought about it for. Not very long. Um, I, it just it felt like the right time in my life. I've always been uh, an NRA member for the longest time since I was a little girl and uh, always supported the NRA mission and preserving the Second Amendment. So to have uh, to have my work recognized and my influence recognized by the actual board of directors and to be nominated was pretty exciting. And then, of course, everything hit. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it, 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 I didn't realize it would be as political as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's definitely been an eye-opening experience. But at the same time, it, it, it hasn't really changed who I am or what I stand for either. So and I think that's a good thing. I think there's a lot of great people that uh, from the grassroots level within the NRA all the way up to the board of directors and the people leading the charge um, that all have – I'll have the goals and the dreams and the wishes of our organization in the right place. Yeah. Um, and, and for those that have been following the Facebook page, uh, you'll, you'll notice that I posted uh, my, my NRA ballot because um, I'm, a, I'm a life member and I'm a voting member. Um, and you uh, were one of only three people that I endorsed uh, for, uh, for this and the other two being Adam Kraut and uh, Dwayne Liptak. And I, I sincerely hope um, sincerely, sincerely hope that you are successful in in uh, getting onto the board of directors because I know that um, while some people have been very happy with the overall message of the NRA and in the direction that it has gone, there are quite a few other people that, uh, and, I, and I would count myself amongst this, that um, I'm very happy that the NRA is representing the Second Amendment as well as they are, but I'm not necessarily happy with some of the micro decisions that are made uh, and, and I would like to see, um, I'd like to see what, what you would do, you know, and, and, and what the other two individuals I, I mentioned would do. So, um, if, if you're, if you're one of those people that, that my, my endorsement means anything, uh, Julie definitely has it. So <laughs> I appreciate it. I, you know, I come in from a different angle. Um, it's pretty exciting. Obviously we've had a few people on the NRA board of directors that have been involved in the shooting sports in one way, shape, or form, but to kind of come into it from a very active standpoint and uh, hopefully um, one, you know, as a person who has embraced technology, (laughs) which I think can be a little bit challenging for our organization. um, I'm really hopeful that uh, we can continue to really 
build the awareness for who a safe, responsible gun owner is. I mean, gosh, all we have to do is go on Facebook, Instagram, Vero now, or wherever to see all of these people from a different perspective, what you used to think of as a traditional NRA member. Right. And uh, I think it's important that we all have a voice. It's a younger, it's a, it's more progressive. It's a, it's, it comes down to the fact that we all love what we do and our rights and uh, the ability to protect ourselves and the ability to have a voice in government um, in a way that's just a little bit – has a bit of a more modern edge. Right. I, my one request is while I do appreciate country music from time to time, uh-huh. um, I can think of a, a lot of very pro-Second Amendment people that are performing artists that don't necessarily – Play country music, so that, that's that's my that's my one. So if you should be hired, my vote will count on you. No, no, or, or voted in. I mean, um, so no, but and, and we can talk more about that if you'd like. But I, what I am interested in is um, kind of what what got you into shooting. We've only got a, a little bit of time left in this uh, segment. Uh, about two and a half minutes, so I'll have to interrupt you. But um, I, what got you into shooting, and what's been interesting about it for you? And is is there anything, uh, anything you would like to change about the community at large? Oh wow, that's a those are three complicated questions. Um, I'll start with the easiest one. <laughs> sure. Uh, I grew up in upstate New York, and uh, my dad competed in USPSA competitions. And because I was the middle child and didn't get along so well with my brother and sister, I always went to the range with dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was there that I really fell in love with the people of the shooting sports. Um, I was a worker long before I was a shooter. So dad and I became this father and daughter range officer team that traveled all over the Northeast. And eventually when I was 14, uh, I decided to actually pull a trigger and give it a try. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was a really, really neat experience. So hmm. I, I want to ask a follow-up question to that, but the amount of time it would take for me to ask the question. time frame. Yeah. Now we have to babble to kind of take up some of the time. Yeah, and pretty go, much. Let, let's, oh let's, let's do this. Uh, we're talking to Julie Collum. Uh, we got to go to break. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scattergun since 
1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the new EDCX9, which offers discriminating shooters, 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with Julie Golub uh, about all sorts of things, actually. And before the break, I had sort of asked you um, how you got into this, and and you you were saying that around and, and I'm sorry, around the time you were 14 or so is when you decided to sort of pull the trigger. Yeah, exactly. So. I started shooting. I shot my first match uh, just after in the summer of uh, 1991, I think it was. Nice. Um, and yeah, so. It became something I fell in love with, and eventually um, I went to my first national championships in 1994 and was recruited to shoot for the Army shooting team. So I jumped right into it, feet first, uh, Army style, nice. <laughs> and uh, chased the dream of becoming a professional shooter. Nice. Um, so you've been you've been shooting at a, at a, by anyone's definition, a pretty high level for quite some time now then. I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I would agree. Uh, here's, here's something. And so I will say this before I ask this question. Um, I, if you would like to not address the question, that is completely okay with me. Um, but, but I would be curious to get your take. Um, so you are someone that I consider to be a high level shooter that is extremely knowledgeable about a myriad, uh, number of topics. Um, and, and, and we can get more in depth on that. What I'm curious about is whether or not you have noticed a trend for people to pigeonhole you into sort of the, well, we've got Julie and she's going to talk about women's issues. <laughs> um, and, and that was kind of, that was kind of where I was hoping to get with the third part of the question that I asked, but I decided that since we have limited amount of time, I would just get to it. Say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I'd be curious to, to hear your thoughts on that. You know, I think a lot of times uh, that's like the natural course, you know, because I am indeed a woman. Um, but I find that when, first of all, I'm never offended by that because okay. if it's an opportunity to bring other women in or open the door for other people, I'm I'm all about it. So right. I don't offend very easily. Um, there are times that I've been, of course, little lady at a local gun shop kind of thing right. or what have you. Um, but normally I find that when I grip a firearm that's like a the first telltale moment like oh she knows what she's doing <laughs> or um if i speak about firearms or guns or or the shooting sports or what have you people realize oh okay um you know this person is actually a somewhat of a sub subject matter expert on it and it's a person not just because she's a woman but also she has other insights and sure melody you probably run into this all the time too. oh yeah yeah that, um, that happens every every shot show every shot show <laughs> It's 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 yeah. a moment of like, oh, we're gonna tell you how to. Oh wait, you actually are holding that. Okay, never mind. Never mind. You're <laughs> good. You're good. And it never used to be that way for a long time. It's taken some time to evolve into what it is today. But I find that um, we do have there are a huge number of people, men and women, who are completely ignorant about firearms or concealed carry or shooting sports, what have you. Um, and uh, so, you know, I understand where they're coming from, but I'm, I'm never offended by it. Well, and I, the reason why I ask, um, you know, so I, I'm a dude that is a stereotypical um, and honestly not very, um, not very remarkable uh, example of a shooter in the industry. 
I mean, honestly, a bearded tattooed dude uh, is you can't you can't throw a uh, a box of ammo uh, five feet at Shot Show without hitting one of those guys, right? <laughs> um, so my perception of of a lot of how the industry works and treats people and things like that was based off of my own experience, which was, mm-hmm. you know, honestly. Um, you fit the mold. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> well, and that's that's very questionable, but at least outwardly, yes. Um, but And I never really noticed any of these things until I hired Melody um, and saw how people treated her. And, and, you know, I hired Melody because she was the most capable person I could find um, for, you know, for the job that I needed done. And it, it was interesting. I remember the first time we went somewhere as a professional capacity, just watching people interact with her. And I'm like, huh, I never actually thought this was a thing because I never saw this, but right. what, what the hell is wrong with people? You know? So I, it's something I'm curious to ask. Um, and it's weird because it's sort of uh, paradoxical for me to even ask the question. I'm sort of doing the same thing, but I was <laughs> I was curious to get your take on it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think we we have so far to go, but we've come so far at the same time. And uh, any time that I can, you know, help inspire or educate is, is well worth it to me. So right. it's it's definitely interesting at times. <laughs> well, and I think but, it, it uh, can too be. Um, because as someone specifically like yourself, Julie, becomes more well-known, then you start seeing it less because people stop treating you that way. You know what I mean? Because they recognize true, you yeah. as the woman who is knowledgeable. And so you stop seeing it as much um, until you kind of disguise yourself and go back into the trenches and go, is it really actually getting better or am I just being treated differently? And um, that in and of itself is a really interesting way. Like I said, when you go into a place like SHOT Show is a great example um, where you have so many people to gather data from, um, mm-hmm. you can really start to see some of the, some of the differences. Sure. What I find interesting is, um, you know, on on the other end of the spectrum, we have a lot of women's only groups now. And a lot of a lot of women instructors are actually out there saying you can only learn from a woman, which is surprising to me, too, because it's the same thing, only it's, you know, with them instead. And Mm -hmm. they don't welcome and they don't feel like, uh, well, you know, obviously I can't learn from a man because, you know, he's so much bigger or what have you, which is absolutely ridiculous because you can learn from anyone <laughs> if you choose to learn. Um, you know, you may have to make some adaptations or what have you or, or just the discovery that it may not work, but it's a constant state of learning. So I think it's interesting because I, I do often get invited to women's only events and there's that that air that, oh, well, you know, we can only, we can only have women instructors or we can only learn from women. And, and I find that almost equally as frustrating at times. I, I completely agree. I've, I've actually been to women's only events where I've been asked to speak or participate and have heard things from other panelists that say like, um, men cannot understand our issues. And I go, well, you know what, if they are a good instructor, and, you know, I mean, no, there are certain things that biologically they will probably never understand. <laughs> right. But, you know, they can understand that you have different needs or and, and they can observe the problem. And it, and it kind of makes it seem like 
unless you have the plumbing, either a man or a woman, uh, you are somehow going to be stupid. And that's not the case. There are really, really good male instructors and female instructors who really look at the whole problem and go, you know what, even though this isn't my particular problem, I'm going to find a solution for it so that I can be a better instructor for anyone I happen to get into um, into my classes. So like, for instance, we'll hear things like, well, you know, women have smaller hands. And so there are tons of men out there who have really, really small hands. Anyone who's met Tim Heron and put your hand up to his, you're like, okay, yeah. you know. So the, 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 the correlation isn't always as extreme as I think sometimes it's presented. Yeah. Or, or it's simple. You yes. know, it, 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 it's people just want to chop it up to just one thing. You're like, oh, well, you can't understand because of X. You know, well, <laughs> there's actually a little bit more involved. But, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Well, so let me ask you this, because um, you've been doing this much longer than I have. Uh, and and I've always considered, um, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm instructing now. Uh, I think I am, I think that I can, I will be able to make myself into a better instructor uh, in the future than I am now. But I work very hard at being as good as I can be. Currently, and, and the way I've always approached this is whoever is standing in front of me, um, I, I treat them as an individual with their own, you know, own issues uh, and, and don't really don't really look at it much more in depth than that. So has that has that been your experience or, or what do you think, you know, for the instructors out there that are listening, what what in your mind um is is the actual thing to consider versus I should take a class on how to teach this large group of people. Let me paint with the broadest brush I can find. You know, does, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. No, I think, I think perspective is powerful. And when you can, as a student, look at an instructor and understand what their strengths are and how you want to use that to become better yourself, that's a, that's a good position to be in. And as an instructor, um, when you're looking at the types of classes that you teach, you know, a lot of people will tell, you know, that they're a great instructor for a very specific level of shooter. Like, oh, I'm really good at the beginners or, oh, I'm really good with this type of shooter or this type of course. And um, I think that that's limiting. And I think that the better you want to be all around, whether you're a student or an instructor, or actually you should be a student all your life, right. is to look at all of those areas that you feel like, well, maybe I'm, I'm not the best. Why, am, why is it that I'm not so good at teaching beginners? Is it because I lack patience? Is it because I don't want to listen? Is it because I assume? Is it because they are too difficult and they need too much nurturing? And when you can analyze that, I think that opens the door for discovering how you can improve teaching all the way around. Well, and huh. Um, so, so like you know, for instance, uh, Melody and I we teach together. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am a, I mean, and we got about thirty seconds, so we'll we'll get back into this. But I'm a demonstrably better shooter than she is uh, for for a couple of different reasons, but. I, I have always considered that she is a much better instructor than I am, and I have learned quite a bit from her in how to effectively teach. And it's always just frustrating when, like, people, like, walk up to her and, like, find out she works for me, and they're like, oh, so you teach women? And I'm like, okay. But anyway, we have to go to break. We're talking with Julie Golub. You're listening to Ballistic Radio.
back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of air rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it, and that's where Surefire comes in. From the new 1200-lumen EDCL-2T handheld or 500-lumen EDCL-1T handheld to the 1000-lumen XH35 or 300-lumen XC1B, Surefire can make sure you never have to yell, Aziz, light, ever again. Now, with more lumens and improved switching, the best just got brighter. Surefire. And as a special offer to Ballistic Radio listeners, you can get 20% off everything at the Surefire.com web store, except batteries and suppressors, by entering the discount code AZIZLIGHT. That is A-Z-I-Z-L-I-G-H-T, no space. So we're talking with Julie Gollum um, about, uh, I guess right now we're talking about instructor philosophy and how to effectively engage students, which was nowhere on my radar at all when we started the conversation. So... My apologies. Well, I'm curious. So, um, how 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 long have you been teaching, uh, Julie? So, I actually started teaching, gosh, way back in the early 2000s. Um, I worked with Kay Mitchlick before um, in a ladies' action shooting camp scenario, teaching women how to be better in the sport of practical shooting specifically. And over the years, I've done, you know, a series of pro tips here and there or short tips and video series and that sort of thing. Um, as far as actual classes, that has tapered off significantly. Oh, I, I can imagine. <laughs> Since I've become a parent. <laughs> um, and there's just only so much time between competition and representing the different companies that I do within the industry as well as, you know, raising munchkins. Because <laughs> well, <laughs> they are demanding. <laughs> well, so let me ask you this, and I think this is a common yeah. misconception. Um, and it's and if you disagree with me, I'd, I'd actually like to, to talk about it. But I think a lot of people, when they think of an instructor, uh, what they think of is an instructor is only someone that stands on the range behind the line and offers uh, direct face-to-face interaction with a student. Whereas I think that once you reach a certain level where it is, you know, let's say let's say that you were Wonder Woman and you taught a class every weekend that was full. Uh, and let's say that you somehow were able to watch, we'll even say 30 people on a line, which you and I both know is not not a, well, it shouldn't be uh, a, a, a safe instructor-to-student ratio, right? Um, mm-hmm. So even doing that math, and, and let's say you taught 52 classes a year at 30 per, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, what, 1,700 people tops? Mm-hmm. Whereas how many people do you directly or indirectly influence doing what you're doing? So I would argue that even though you you just said, well, I don't. I I would say that that is not accurate, Julie. Um, and and do you think that maybe the industry needs to consider um, consider things like that more, as far as like broader reach messaging and how important that is for us? I think the industry does realize it. I mean, obviously, when you have sponsored shooters or sponsored instructors or specific programs, in that sense, you even have some industry players with their own schools. Um, I think the the problem and the challenges lies in it with what we call each other. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't particularly, you know, title myself as instructor because it's not what I do every day. Um, I do title myself as a professional shooter, and there are a few people out there who do the same, but they are not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I think that it's a vocabulary thing. 
um, you know, what does it mean to be sponsored? You know, it's it's one of those things that gets very murky within our industry. And it's funny because in the mainstream world, whether it's, you know, beauty or fashion or even sport, it's very defined. If you're a professional basketball player, you play this as a job. It's, you know, you're within the NBA. Um, but we don't really have those very specific kind of organizations or rules or terminology. So it gets gets very cloudy. Um, well, it gets but, murky and then it gets um, contentious because mm, my idea yeah. of what an instructor is is not what your idea is an instructor. And so therefore you are wrong and I am right. And there's a lot <laughs> of that that happens and we talk past each other versus trying to, okay, this is how I define it. How do you define it? Can we come to a an agreement in the middle? Yeah. And, and then there's the fact that, you know, we should always be encouraging people to learn as much as they can. You know, um, a lot of a lot of instructors or trainers out there will, you know, this is my program. This is my doctrine and you should follow this. But we all know that, you know, when you can expand your horizons and learn from a lot of different avenues of approach, then you're going to be the best you can be. And I think that's that's all part of it. And what are some of the, the I guess, the mentors that have been for you that have inspired you to continue your skill and to, you know, just keep going with this? You know, I was very fortunate growing up in upstate New York to uh, have Sheila Bray as one of my mentors and the women that I shot with every month at uh, local club matches. And not a lot of people know that name, but she was actually the first woman to ever make master in USPSA. And back then, it was a really big, like, it was this big thing, like, what woman will do it? Will it be Kippy Latham? Will it be Sharon Zafiro? Will it be Kay Mitchellick? And there was this huge battle. Um, and uh, Sheila was actually the one to do it. So I always looked up to her. But we also hosted, uh, my home club hosted a huge competition every year called the Miller Invitational, as in Miller Beer. <laughs> um, that's how big it was. <laughs> and uh, back then, gosh, in the 90s, there were only 8 to 10 matches in the year, period, all of them, you know, that, that was all we had. And uh, they were spread around through the different shooting sports. So you had Steel Challenge, and you had um, USPSA Nationals, and the Yankee Cup, and then you also had these smaller invitational matches that you could only get in by invitation. And it was there that I got to watch Jerry Michalik and Rob Latham and Doug Koenig and all of those big names um, compete every single year. So they were the people that I looked up to and, and inspired me and made me want to be like them, um, which was a pretty unique scenario, especially during that time. We're talking about, you know, mid to late 90s when things were really politically charged. Uh, the assault weapons ban got dropped in on us, and it was, it was a tough time to be in the shooting sports. So I was very fortunate. Do you think, um, let me ask you this, and this will sort of um, sort of circle back around to the NRA side of things, but uh, as someone that that was there during the '90s um, versus watching what's going on now, does does the environment or the overall climate seem similar to you, or do you think that we've done a better job of really getting people to be on the same page as far as? You know, we might not agree on everything, but we agree on this, and we're not going to let this happen. 
I truly think that uh, the internet has been the best thing to ever happen for gun owners mm-hmm. because before the internet, we had to rely on our own publications um, and our own way of connecting with one another because as soon as things got bad politically, um, mainstream media just yanked the rug out from under us. We used to be on ESPN, right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it used to be legit. Um, and then all of a sudden it all went away and we became very quiet. We became very scared because we didn't want any negative attention. Right. And then the internet happened and then social media happened and people thought, well, you know what? I like this. I'm going to share it. I have nothing to be ashamed of. And it was a whole culture shift. And so with that, I think that now um, we're far more connected and have the ability to be connected than ever before. And until, again, mainstream media or these mainstream social media networks yank the rug out from under us and take that away, we have a really great opportunity. Um, it's also brought out the, you know, the strife. Uh, a lot of people get really caught up on, on one issue within the gun control issue, right. and uh, they lose sight of the big picture. And uh, that's, I think, one of the greatest challenges that the NRA faces is, gosh, where to pick and choose these battles, because I don't think it's reasonable to think that you can win them all, um, because we still are, we still have an uphill battle. But yeah. because of the fact that we do have so many more gun owners out there in the non-traditional sense of what we think of, what the, what mainstream media tells us that they are, you mm-hmm. know, the redneck hillbilly, no women could ever carry a gun on their body. Right. Right. They wear skirts, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, that's, you know, I think we're, we're lucky that things are the way they are, but we have to capitalize on it. Well, I almost wonder, too, um, if some of the stereotypical uh, ways of the gun owners are portrayed is is almost a vehicle for our undoing because of some larger organization's willingness to hop into political debate that has nothing at all to do with the gun issue, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and we we really don't need to get into that because I <laughs> I, absolutely, I absolutely hate politics and I've done a very good job of avoiding it. But um, it it is just something to consider. I wonder, and it's it's something that I think about. Uh, anyway, we we have to go to break, and when we get back, I want to ask you about uh, the the children's book. Um, so we're talking with Julie Gollum. You're listening to Ballistic Radio.
Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. So we are talking with Julie Gollum uh, about all sorts of things, because we have just meandered all over the place. And I am sorry, Julie, I know that you sort of um, would have liked to have had, like, oh, I don't know, show notes or a thing like that. But but hopefully after having a conversation with me, you can see why, due to my own failing, that is completely <laughs> impossible. Um <laughs> So, in addition to everything, um, you're an author as well, yeah? I am. I am an author. So, and it's actually an area of interest, um, and, and I, know that, I know that you're aware of this, and that, and that hopefully at this point most of the people that, that listen to the show, you know, Melody and I teach a class um, specifically around uh, armed encounters with children present, but I actually think, mm-hmm. and this is something we talk about in class, um, one of the one of the things that we probably need to pay more attention to as far as likely outcomes is working to prevent um, accidents and, and thing of things of that nature so that we don't um, we don't have the thing that we have introduced in our lives to be a positive end up being a negative can you okay. can you talk a little bit about the book and why you decided to write it, what your uh, impetus was, I guess, overall? Sure, sure. The book is called Toys, Tools, Guns, and Rules, and it's a children's book uh, about gun safety. Mm-hmm. And it's focused on younger children, uh, ages as young as three, all the way up to 10, depending on maturity level. And as, as you guys know, every child is different. Right. And the primary messaging behind it is the avoidance message that you get with Eddie Eagle. Um, right. And that's, that's the industry standard, as it should be. Um, stop, don't touch you know, go get an adult. But when I was teaching my little ones, a few things were very important to me. One, I really like the idea of showing human interaction. Um, I know that it was very popular back in the day to showcase animals, but as a hunter and coming from a hunting family, I've always been sensitive about giving human characteristics to animals. And especially with a topic as serious as gun safety, I wanted to make sure that, you know, when my children cracked open a book that they saw another child or a parent or real life scenarios that didn't look like something that, you know, they would see on Netflix for, you know, some fantastical cartoon, right? Right. Um, And then I also wanted to explore things a little bit deeper. I mean, obviously, stop, don't touch, go get an adult. But I wanted to go into the details of a firearm that are most intriguing for little ones, as well as most dangerous, being muzzle and trigger, and start to introduce a little bit more information into the picture so that it could inspire questions, it could inspire conversation. And, and I also wanted to showcase the fact that guns are all around us, and it doesn't just come down to military law enforcement or even sport shooters or hunters, but CCW holders. Everyday people own firearms, and it was something that was so important that I even wanted to put that in a spread in the book to say, hey, guns are all around us, and it's okay as long as you know what the rules are. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I have your book. <laughs> Thank you for sending it to me. <laughs> You're and, welcome. Um, it's kind of interesting for me, having read that to my daughter. Um, my daughter loves those kinds of books, and she she brings it to me a lot of times and, and wants to have it read to her over and over again. Um, and what's so interesting about that for me is there's so little curiosity on her part because she's 
experiences it every day with with me as far as like um, when we got to the part of the book where it's like talking about the parts of the firearm and stuff. She's like, I already know that. (laughs) Um, And but how how powerful that is. And, um, you know, really, and I think you'd agree with with me here um, that the information for parents um, regarding firearms and how to handle the subject of firearms around their children, particularly not in a hunting, because we have hunters ed and stuff like that, but in an everyday mom and dad carry a gun for self-defense kind of way is sorely lacking in this country. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And just the fact that, you know, one of the reasons why I like it in a book format is it doesn't have to be so public. I mean, you can go on Amazon and buy it mm-hmm, <laughs> and yep. talk to your kids about it. And it doesn't have to be an online program. You don't have to be out there doing all these things. And you can do it at your own pace, what you're comfortable with. And even for parents that don't own guns, I mean, obviously, most likely not listening to this radio <laughs> or program, Um uh, they, you know, they can learn with their kids. So yeah. I think it's important. Well, and it's funny to me, um, you know, because I have worked very hard to actively advocate for what I consider to be um, best practices in dealing with firearms when children are present. And it's funny the amount of pushback that I have gotten at various instances where I suggest something that I consider to be completely reasonable um Mm -hmm. that people are like well blah 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 you know i grew up and my parents didn't do it this way and and mel you've actually said this and i i will say it as well um my my father failed me um growing up as far as firearms and, and things like that go and he did a better job than most people Mm-hmm. I know. straight up had a phone call with my parents and said, I love you both deeply, but you were negligent. You were negligent in the way that you handled firearms. You were negligent in the way that you stored firearms. Um, you know, I, I don't think you're bad. I You did the best with what you had at the time. But now that I know more, I would like to teach that to you guys so that when your grandchildren are around – um, we have better practices. Um, and thankfully, they took it really well. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's great. Because that's a hard conversation to have with people and with particularly with parents um, who think that, you know, obviously no parent wants to be accused of being negligent. Uh, but having that introspection to look at yourself and be like, okay, I I maybe I'm confronting something that I don't necessarily believe is true, but are there better practices out there that I can do? Right, right. The one thing that surprises me is the number of people who get so offended by programs like Project Child Safe. Like, um, this is not a bad thing. Locking your firearms up is not a bad thing, people. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah no. It's, 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 it's one, it prevents unauthorized access for anyone. If you're not using it, it's not a bad thing. Right. Um, but there's so much of that traditional, well, what I grew up kind of thing. Um, and I think it's very admirable that your parents were so open to that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and, and my father, and I, lo- I love my dad. Um, he's, you know, uh, he's great. I, I won't shoot with him anymore. I mean, and that's mm. even though I've had the conversation with him, he's like, well, you know, and I'm like, all right, you know, I I love you. Um, I, I 
you know, very much. Um, don't, I, I'm not going to shoot with you anymore. And I would appreciate that, you know, if my children are around that you not do that. And he, he was at least receptive of that, but, mm-hmm. um, where, I mean, we've, we got a, we got a couple minutes left, um, in the show three. Uh, thank you, Joe. Um, what would you leave people with and what, uh, if people would like to discuss things or learn more from you, where can they do that? And, and I might have one follow-up question. We'll see. Sure. Uh, the easiest place to, to find and catch up with me and all I'm doing is through my website at juliegolub.com, J-U-L-I-E-G-O-L-O-B. And uh, as far as parting thoughts, I mean, if there's one thing that I would say, no matter what you feel about the NRA or what you feel about shooting sports or what have you, now is the time more than ever to make sure that you're reaching out to your legislators to make sure your voice is heard. It's time to not be ashamed of your sport or your way of life and to embrace it and encourage all the things that we as safe, responsible gun owners do. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and I've, I've got to say that, once again, I am so very happy that you are running for the NRA Board of Directors. Uh, I, I can't help but feel that even a slight change in overall messaging from the organization would do wonders to help mm-hmm. convince, um, you know— people maybe in the middle or people even even that are left-leaning um, to, you know, consider the overall greater message. And, and it was, you know, it was funny because you mentioned, well, if someone doesn't own guns, they might not be listening to this program. Oddly enough, I get messages from people that don't own guns at all that listen to the show. That's great. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly think the only reason for that is because I, you know, I don't talk about whether or not I disagree with them politically on other issues. And even if we did disagree, sure. I don't, I don't think any less of them for that. Um, sure. But and, and that's that's just a message for anyone that happens to be listening. We can all disagree civilly. Um, but thank you so much, Julie. Uh, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. It means a whole lot to me. So, oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Yeah, and and definitely good luck with the election. So yes, very nice to talk to you, Julie. So likewise, likewise. All right. Hey, <laughs> guys. Hey, have a all great right. day. Hey, guys. Make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com/slash/BallisticRadio. Keep leaving those five star review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week. <laughs>